0: All right. So, if you got your Bible, I want you to go to First um, Timothy chapter two. Yes, first, first Time. <laughs> That's funny. That ver- that reminds me of uh, the Fairly Odd Parents. Tim Yeah, chapter two. Tap chapter two. That's funny right there. All right, who did who did the homework this week? Everybody had homework. I went on the Snapchat group and I asked what the verse was, and nobody responded. I texted it to you. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. (laughs) Ooh! All right. Raise your hand if you read First Timothy chapter 2. Chapter 2? to 2. Tap to <laughs> all right, all right. We got at least three. Oh, my wife didn't even do it. Man, this are, that hurts. Y'all need to do better about your homework. All right. It's okay. Yep, we're going to go to verse 1 if y'all can go with me. Everybody. You can, get, you can add Uversion for free to your cell phones, also ma- mobile devices. Mm-hmm. So. All right, verse 1. I urge you, this is I'm going to read the NIV. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Stop real quick. <laughs> <laughs> what is the difference between those four? Last Sunday we talked about prayer, and uh, we had Apostle Polis with us, and he talked about the third dimension of prayer, um, and about how the you know the Holy Spirit will lead us into groanings that cannot be uttered in a sense, um, and obviously they are uttered, but He's the one that has groanings that can't be uttered that we don't understand fully. Um, talked about the second dimension being praying to the Holy Spirit, the first dimension being prayer. First and foremost. Does anybody have any questions for me from Sunday's message? <clears throat> okay. Has anybody, ever, is, has anybody ever been there when you begin to, you begin to um, cry as you're praying? Has anybody ever started laughing when you're praying? Like you just get the joy? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And some people think you're crazy. I've I've had both. I mean, there's sometimes when people are uh, around me are, are all crying and I'm laughing in the Holy Spirit, and that seems inappropriate. And I want to tell I want to tell the Holy Spirit I'm like Holy Ghost inappropriate. And he's like, I, you know, like <laughs> I'm like I can't you know like people think I'm making fun. Like I was sometimes sometimes I will be in a certain service that seems out. The worship will seem outdated, or it's a, it's a little dated beyond me, yeah. And um, I will be laughing because the Holy Ghost hits me. It's not at somebody, but people think I'm laughing at him. But I just hit the joy joy deep down in my soul. Yeah, yeah. That's what we do. He's gonna steal the show. I don't even know what to do right now. My my train of thought is so far off. But um, no, I don't want you to. I want to keep him. Don't take him to the fire station. so so if y'all don't know this is this is my firstborn my pride and joy yep and so um, we're going to go to um, petitions what's the difference between petitions and prayer because he mentions four different dynamics in prayer Um, we talked about He said he talked about the dimensions of prayer. I'm going to talk about the dynamics of prayer tonight. So, what would you say is the difference between a petition of God and what we would call prayer? Just throw something out. I want any bad guesses. I'm I'm okay with bad guesses. Yeah, requests is uh, is what? Which one? Supplication or prayer? Supplication or petition? Yeah. You second that. Put an amen on that corner. Okay. So petitions. I'm gonna read out what the uh, the Greek, because we know that we study the Greek when we're in the New Testament, because the Greek um, government was the the leading government of that time. Most of what Paul wrote was written in the Greek. So we read that. So we go back to the Greek in order to understand the difference because if we were if we were studying English, right? English is a little different than Spanish, right? If I said I know somebody in Spanish, anybody ever study Spanish? A couple people? So there's two different like there's there's the word conocer and there's the word saber for the word to know. Right? But in English we only have to know. So if I want to go back and understand the full implication of conocer, then I have to that means like there's a familiar understanding whereas saber uh, is like a mental knowledge where i would say i know i know donald trump i know who he is but i don't knowced him cuz i never had a conversation with him i don't have a relationship with donald with the don all right <laughs> but <laughs> but i'm just saying right now that <laughs> we're going to we're going to talk about donald tonight okay we're gonna talk about the president in a minute because it has, it fits with this verse but this is why we go back to the greek so the word is in petitions which you also would find the word supplication in another version is the word days okay it is it is a need an indigence it is a privation or a penury yeah, you're gonna have to bring out your Webster. So let me let me put this into uh, terms for you guys. It's seeking or asking. It's entreating. So you said it's you said it's a request, right? So another way of putting it is um, it, it is also for the averting of evil. So not only are you not only are you asking for something that might be slightly different, but your supplication. It means that, God, free me from the, the, the disaster of this dooming temptation, right? Lord, give me out of evil. So when, when Jesus said, he said, uh, the Lord's Prayer, what does he say? Come on, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread as we forgive those who trespass against us and... the del- Aha, all right, stop right there. Lead us... Some people are like, what's next? <laughs> Lead us not into temptation is where we're going, right? So it, that would be a, a, a petitious prayer, if you will. Um, but petitions are requests, but it's deeper than that. It's... Okay, so... Let's go to a prayer. We're going to read some different scriptures along those lines too. Actually, go to Luke chapter 2 verse 37. Does anybody want to read that for me? Luke chapter 2 verse 37. See, you all would have a lot more to say if you did your homework. <laughs> all right, Taj, read that for me. Say she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So who's it talking about there? Anybody know? Uh, Anna. Anna, that's right. Anna is Anna was a very significant female role. This is a woman of faith. What's that? Prophet. She was a prophetess, absolutely. Um uh, this is there was two people at the steps at the temple that were Bringing uh, supplication also to God for what reason they were, who were they? Anybody know? Simeon and Anna there was a guy named Simeon and there was there was a woman named Anna, and they were there and they were praying for what purpose that the Messiah would come they were praying that they would that their eyes would see the messiah and so we go to to Luke chapter 2. This is why I want, I want you to know this is significant because we're going to read something later in this passage that is the most controversial uh, portion of the scripture, I believe, today. Today, we're going to read the most controversial portion of the scripture. And I'm going to explain my perspective on that scripture. And I'm going to tell you that this scripture has the feminist. Pulling their hair out, all right? They're losing their weave over the scripture. So, so stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. So 42 says, when he says, <laughs> that sounded so funny when you did that. I, don't, I thought something else was happening over there, to be honest. 2, verse 37 Anna at the temple. Herod's temple was quite large and included many rooms, so Anna may have been allowed to live in one of them. That This verse probably means she spent all of her daytime hours worshiping in the temple. That's what that probably means. But it literally says she didn't leave. Um, So it says there was also a prophet, Anna, a daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 can you imagine that? Be, be married for seven years. There's some people that were married and be like, oh man, that's a blessing. I don't even know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's terrible. Not me. I love my wife. But this lady, it was it was painful. It was terrible. And so she, she gave her heart, the rest of her life to the Lord. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Now, you see supplication almost always coupled with fasting. All right? When you read it in the scripture, the word, which is, anybody remember? I'm going to say it one more time. I don't even remember. Days. You can say it with me. Days. Okay. And if you're trying to remember that, do you remember that the judge, he takes his gavel and he strikes it, hammers it down on what? The dais. That's what they call that. Where the, where the judge, what's that? Okay. <laughs> that, and when he's sitting there, he's sitting at the dais. He strikes that gavel down on the dais, yeah. Um, But that is really where, I'll get to that in a second, but somebody could have a supplication for mercy right there from the gavel. But um, supplication and fasting are coupled together because what happens when you fast? You abstain from what? Come on, I mean, help me a little bit. Y'all know what you do when you fast. What? You abstain from fast. Yes, you abst- you abstain from from. Most of the time, it's food. I mean, when you're talking biblically, that the whole concept we developed in Western culture where we're like, at least I, I fasted from my television. Like, I don't see that anywhere in the scripture. You know, it's good. Y'all can do that, but I don't find that anywhere where they were like, I fasted I fasted from going to the town square and swimming in the watering hole. Like, I don't see that. Every time in the scripture I read it, it's food, okay? Okay y'all want to make this up. everybody wants to say I got I got low sugar pastor? No, you don't. <laughs> I, got, I had somebody tell me that earlier. I was like, you have a doctor that told you that you have low, su- low blood sugar? No, I just think I do. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't have low blood sugar. You need to go without food for a day. y'all <laughs> unless you have a, if, unless you have diabetes, you do have a doctor's approval, then you can do something. but I'm just saying every time I find it in the scripture is food. So I just think we kind of got weak with it and we like made provisions for people to participate, right? All right, I'm being hard on you, but I'm telling you the truth. So it, it's where you learn to be disciplined, right? And what do you need when you're abstaining from temptation? You need discipline. And so supplication and fasting, you have to bring supplication to God because there is a great temptation to eat, when you're abstaining from food, and it's tough, and you feel weak, right? Because the enemy doesn't come to tempt you when you're strong. The enemy doesn't, he doesn't wait around, and he's like, man, they're at their best right now. I'm coming right now because, you know, they look great. No, the enemy comes when you are at your weakest. I mean, he's, he's cunning. The enemy's been around for thousands of years. The devil is, is weak in comparison to God, but he's still a strategist. The enemy, and if you don't understand that about your opponent, then you're not going to beat him, and you're not going to be able to strategize effectively against his. Uh, so, so if I'm talking to somebody, and I'm saying, you know, you've got a problem with alcohol, so the enemy's a strategist. How can you strategize in a way to prevent yourself from being in a position where you would be tempted? So what would be one way that somebody who struggled with alcoholism in their life could avoid temptation not going to a bar not buying it exactly strategize what maybe that too or at least stay out of, at least stay out of the part where there is that and, and maybe there's some certain friends that you know that's what you always do with them and say we got to do something else we got we can't hang out right now until I get better. Or we got to choose something else that we do together. Um, but, but yeah, all of those are ways that you strategize not to fall back into temptation. If you don't make a strategy, then you will repeat the same processes in your life. If you don't understand, okay, when I feel grief or when I feel like I'm, I'm incapable of overcoming myself, when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel stressed, when I feel um, lack, like I'm lacking self-esteem, I turn to alcoholism. If you don't know that, then you're going to find yourself repeating the same processes. But if you can identify it, okay, right now, right now I feel like I'm beating myself up. I'm thinking negative and self-doubting thoughts. So these self-doubting thoughts are eventually going to put me back in the way of me dealing with those by medicating through alcohol, right? Right? If that person has struggled with it, so what do they have to do? I got to think more positive thoughts. I got to be around somebody, or I've got to, I've got to stop sitting here and allowing myself to be in this funk. I've got to put my energy and my efforts into some kind of activity that will take away these thoughts. I got to invest myself in something different. So there's a strategy. The enemy is a strategist, and through supplication, we get strategy from God. Uh, to avoid temptation and not only not only that but we we find out lord where is where are we going so we go next to it's always coupled with fasting and prayer fasting and that word prayer there is the word supplication this day uh, i want you to read romans ten one. somebody read romans ten one. yeah it is right after the book of acts romans is right after the book of acts read it margie So, hit that word, brethren, that they might be my heart's prayer, right there, that word is deus, which is what? Say it with me, supplication. Yeah, or you could say petition. Um, but it's, it, is, it is Him saying, I wish that I, my request is that they would be outside of temptation, that they, that they would be lifted up. It, it is, so, where we go? We're going to keep going. You're going to start getting the hang of this here in a second. Um, I want you to, to, we're going to go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, and actually chapter 2, verse 1. It says, petitions and then prayers. So what would, how would you define prayer? There's supplication, petition, we talked about that. What would, how would you define Prayer. Yeah, that's part of it. That is that is very well that's that's it's a worshipful prayer. Um, there is this is a level of prayer that there there is an attitude and of the heart that is worshipful towards God and exalting him. Really good, like, it's just communication. You're just- Absolutely. Absolutely. Here is here is a form of communication. So prayer is different from a conversation because of the person that you're referring to, or the one whom we're, we're communicating with, which is God. So we have a separate word because conversations with God are different from the conversation that we're having right now. I, I've never seen God. There are people that have, um, but most not without Jesus, they haven't. Moses only got to see his backside, right? But, but there are people that heard God, I've never heard God. So the, my conversation with him looks different from the conversation that I'm having with you because I can see you and I can hear you. I can, I've seen God in the natural realm around me because I see his creation. I see the fingerprint of God. I see the signature of God. I see all the purpose that he's given me, but I have not seen him visibly, right? I've seen, his, I've seen the product of God. I've seen everything that he's left with me. But when I hear God, too, I don't hear his voice. I hear the impression of god so so i can i can hear god through sight too cuz spiritual spiritual sight smells tastes sounds are all different because in the spirit i can see something in the spirit and hear hear god telling me something i can see a vision and know that he's actually communicating with me right I can actually smell something and know that God, I can hear Him telling me something. Like one time I was in a room and I smelled sulfur. There was a demonic presence that had entered that room and we were about to cast it out. And then we dealt with a, a, the spirit began to manifest in this girl and we had to cast it out. But I smelled it first. And then once we dealt with it, I smelled anointing oil. And I knew that God was communicating with me. There was. Uh, another time where I was in a counseling session with somebody who had been through a tr- horrendous torture who narrowly escaped um, a serial killer's, uh, and it was, it was horrible. Um, but when he forgave in that counseling session, there was the smell of incense, and I asked him if he smelled it. He smelled it. There was nothing in our church. I'm like, we're not the kind of church that has incense. Well, you know, we're, we're not Orthodox. We're not Catholic. We don't have incense here but that what you just did was incense. God, God's letting you know that that was a sacrifice that he received from heaven. Um, so the, the, the um, senses, your spiritual senses, you can see and hear. You can smell and taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? So, so anyways, I'm going to keep going, but yes, prayer is for the obtaining of good. It's for obtaining of good. Um it is it is absolutely to to attain something of the Lord, but it's also communication that is addressed to God. The word is prosuke, prosuke in the Greek. and um, it is it, it can actually be a place. You know that wherever you are in prayer, you are creating an atmosphere, you're creating an atmosphere wherever you are that is that is situating heaven on earth because where God, where God is is the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of heaven is where God is when you think about heaven what makes what sets it apart from from this place is that God is enthroned and he is present there right so when i pray he said he said father i he said thy kingdom come so you're establishing his presence, and you'll bring the kingdom of heaven where you are. The kingdom of heaven is, is, is not just a place. It's wherever God is. And in fact, one guy that I was to at high school with, his name was Josh Carey, and um, he lives locally now. I just haven't been connected with him. He was, he went out. He came back, gave me a hug, and I went, whoa. And he goes, what? I was like, man, the presence of God is so thick on you. I can tell you you just came from prayer. And he goes, he just starts laughing, like, like the joy of the Lord just came on him. and He's like, how is it that you can tell that? I was like, how long were you praying? He was like, for like an hour and a half. I was like, man, the presence. And that this was back in high school, you know what I mean? Um, because he brought the kingdom of God with him, the presence was still thick wherever he was walking. So it, it's a place also that's set apart and suited for the offering of that communication or that sacrifice with God. Or worship Um, it can become it it could also in the scripture represent a synagogue a place in the open air where the Jews uh, were want to pray outside the cities where they had no synagogue right but we know that we've become the synagogue in a sense we've become the temple of the Holy Spirit so now the now his presence is carried with us we don't have to have the Ark of the Covenant because we've entered into the Holy of Holies because the veil was what? Torn. The veil was torn in the temple. If you don't understand that, it's, be, it, I'm just gonna explain it briefly. There was an outer court, there was an inner court where the, the outer court of the people could come and then the priests would come and they would sacrifice in the inner court and then only one time a year, there would be one priest that went through the Holy of Holies, which was a veil, and inside was the Ark of the Covenant where God limited himself to rest in that place. And, um, and they would keep a rope around the priest's ankle, and he would have bells and, and the, the forms of pomegranate at the bottom of his rope, and they would listen to, to hear the bells jostle, and, and, and I guess you would call it ding, underneath him and if they ever stopped hearing it either he fell out under the presence of God and he was he was overwhelmed by him and they would pull him out or two he, he had sin and he, he was dead the Lord the Lord I mean just punished him basically he brought judgment against the priest because he, he was falsely representing him and he wasn't consecrated and you could only go into his presence if you're consecrated it's, it's a symbol of what heaven is. We cannot take sin into heaven. Why? Because sin brings death. Sin brings harm. Sin brings punishment. Sin brings tears. And it says in Revelation 21, it says that there is no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death. Heaven is a place where all of that doesn't exist, right? And, and so I, don't, I can't bring that into, into God's kingdom or it will it will change the atmosphere of his kingdom. And so God in his goodness excludes that and so if we if if, if the priest carried sin into the, he he's like he killed the priest because you don't bring sin into the kingdom. You don't you don't bring it into heaven. God's where God's presence is. You understand what I'm saying? Um so um God gave us a plan to absolve us from our sin so that we could have relationship and be restored to heaven. But this we're talking about was the law. And so when Jesus died on the cross, I'm getting to this point for those, there's a couple people in here that don't understand. Jesus ripped, he didn't do it himself, but the Holy Spirit, the minute that Jesus gave up the ghost and he died, he became the punishment, the Lamb of God that was slain for our sins. The veil and the temper was ripped in two. And... It was, a, it was symbolic that all of us could enter into the Holy of Holies. And no longer did we need a priest because Jesus became the high priest, the mediator for us. So, Deus, we have prosu- prosu- prosuke, and now we're going to say intercession. What's, what's the difference between supplication or petition, prayer, and now intercession? Somebody want to say? Praying for others. Exactly. That's exactly right. Intercession is when now our our focus is not on that thing which we want to obtain, which is good. It's on other people. Uh, we're we're thinking of others, and it's it's also interesting because while it's for others, there is an element of it. The word is in in tuxes. It means to fall in with. So now, what are you doing? You just put yourself in a position that you're fighting with them in a spiritual... Everybody knows that we're engaged in spiritual warfare, right? Okay. So I know there was a a guy that was struggling with pornography, right, when I was young. I'm being very vulnerable with you. And um, I had not dealt with that temptation. It was not something that I dealt with because, because I never got into... There's a lot of guys that have... Um, At that time, it wasn't. Something later I dealt with more. Um, But at that time, I didn't, and I began to pray with him. Suddenly, I had the temptations to look at pornography. Why do you think that was? Because I'm interceding for him to get free of it. And now I've fallen in with him in the battle against an enemy that realizes that I'm now an ally with this guy. So when you begin to fight with somebody you have to be prepared to deal with the enemy yourself because the temptations that they're struggling with now you now you're going to begin to face off with because it's a spiritual battle and it wants the enemy wants to overrun overrule you as well. And so I mean it's intercession is not something to be taken lightly and you need to be advised properly in that Am I prepared to deal with the enemy? This is again. It, the enemy is a strategist, so God is God has prepared His people to think strategically too, not to be not to be afraid of the enemy, to, but to ensure that we're that we're well advised. And when when the, the disciples came back, they said <clears throat> some of the demons didn't leave. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, but they said, "Why didn't some of them leave?" And Jesus. I know it's Jesus' words, so right? So we can trust Jesus' words. What did he say to them? Some only come out with prayer and fasting. Prayer and, fasting. and that word is the word what? Just so we know. Supplication. 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 Um, he says some only come out with prayer and fasting, but, interse- but intercession now is coming to a different place as well. And um, I'm just going to say that it is falling in with, meeting with, coming together. It is to visit with. And, the, and so what are you visiting? You're visiting their issues and those things as well. You're, you're coming into, into alignment. Anybody want to have, say anything that the Lord's showing you or pushing you to, to understand through this? Yeah. Um, I heard a message about intercession, and they, they paraphrased in it, um, it's kind of like interception where you're kind of trying to take something out of the picture for somebody else. Like you're trying to bear it. Yeah. Yeah, interceding, interception. And that, that is where it says, Jesus says, bear ye one another's burdens. One of the way he's saying that there is a, a healthy burden is through prayer. <clears throat> now, why is it that we can carry it for intercession? Because... We're then we are not we're not the ones responsible for their issues right we're responsible for the things that they're dealing with helping them lay it at God's feet that's what you're doing is you're not saying now I I'm, now I'm, I'm the sole owner of these issues as well i mean there's songs that are out there right now that are like um you 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 give me your demons and i'll give you mine as in, you've heard that right there's there's a song out by Howsley that says that um, And I think I said her name right. Halsey? Halsey? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good work. So, uh, (laughs) but anyways, interception is a good way to look at that. And um, we can do that for other people. It also is, is, it means an interview. It could be an interview. And, and so I want you to think about this for a, sec- a second. One, as I'm interceding for somebody, I, the Lord can actually begin to show me things that they're dealing with. As I, I mean as I come before, if I bring something before the Lord is it is 808? 801. 801. Okay. The Lord will show So I haven't even got far in this tonight, but the last thing I want to tell you to know is is thanksgiving is a form of prayer. A, it's an over, overarching communication with God. And that is the word Eucharistia. Does anybody know what Eucharist also stands for? Yes. The, what, is it? What, what table? The communion. Table. Exactly. Yeah. So, so this is deeper than... So when we're coming and we're, we're taking communion, what are we doing? We're communing with God. We are having, what is it, it's it's, it's a form of communication with God. It's where we come, come means together. Union also means together. It's two forms of union. We're coming into union with him as we take in what is his body, his blood, and we're saying, we're now a part of your body together. That's why the significance is so strong when we take it collectively together. It's so important, and it is a form of giving thanks because you are remembering what he did for us. You're remembering all the sacrifice he paid. And you're saying, Father, we thank you. Which is why it, it's all... I'm, I'm not going to get too heavily into this tonight. But it's important to ask for forgiveness before you take communion. And there's a real, there's a real spiritual danger into entering into communion lightheartedly. And without reverence. Um, because it is a sacred act of God it's called a sacrament but Eucharistia means thankfulness and the art of giving thanks so tonight we talked about petition prayer intercession and thanksgiving and and here it says that he does it for all people for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness so he says for everybody nobody's excluded every race every tribe every tongue under heaven men women Sinner and saint, everybody. And then he says, and not only are we supposed to pray for them, but we're supposed to pray for the kings. And what's really interesting is that the kings at this time were the ones that were persecuting them, right? They were imprisoning them. They were torturing them. They were martyring them. So you don't, you don't understand, if you don't understand the context, you don't realize the implication, how significant that is. Pray for kings? What? You want us to pray for the people that killed my sister, killed my brother in the Lord? Are you kidding me? No, pray for all people. Pray for our government rulers, whether we agree with them or not. Doesn't mean you got to vote for them again, but we pray for them and pray mercy upon them. So I hope that you get something about it tonight. So when you begin to pray, you think, how do I pray long time? How do I pray a long time? Well, one, I begin to, to pray God, leaving not into temptation, supplication prayer. I pray a prayer of God, communion with him, worshipful prayer number 3 i an interceding prayer i begin to start praying for the people that are around me in this group which is where we're going to we're going to have an interceding prayer in a second for other people that are in here and then when i don't know of anything else to do i mean you could really pray a long time when you just give thanks for everything and anything for breath in your heart and that's the prayer that changes your perspective i mean i could do a session on each one of these but Thanksgiving prayer changes your perspective. When, when your situation doesn't change, you can be changed in your situation. Which is why Paul knew that he could be content in, in every situation, whether he was in bondage or not, whether he was in chains or not, whether he was free, whether he had want or whether he had plenty. He learned to be content because of the prayer of thanksgiving, giving thanks for what I have and when I don't have anything, I still have Jesus and that's a whole lot to be thankful for. So tonight, I hope that even though I didn't get very far in this message, that we still get something out of it.